Welcome to Weekly Roar, I'm Grant Bruner. I'm Rob Webster. This is episode 731. No Laughlin with us today, uh, just us boys. Rob, what animal are you thinking of? Snakes. Uh, anyone in particular? Um, no, metaphorical snakes. Satan? Snakes, plural. I've been working on a song that is called Snakes, and uh, I don't have a particular snake in mind. I just like the word. Mm, Sibilance. Pop your peas and hiss your s's. <laughs> Uh, my uh, my uh, British co-worker started, and uh, she has uh, a hamster, and so I'm going to go hamster. Lovely. A little, a little brown hamster. So I'm, 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 I'm thinking about hamsters this week. Have you seen the hamster yet? I have seen the hamster. It's a, okay. it's a, as, as far as hamsters go, it's a, it's a handsome answer. hamster. Just a tiny little bear. A, a, han, a hanser, which is what I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, uh, how's, the, how's the video games going? You played any? I don't think so. I genuinely don't think I've touched video games since we last spoke. What have you been doing if not playing Tunic or Slay the Spire? I, I, I might have played a little bit of Tunic. I've certainly not played any Slay the Spire. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> the days just kind of disappear. Um, now I've been doing a lot of uh, I've been doing a lot of board games. I've been doing a lot of um, going about, doing a little walk. After a nice coffee, I don't know. It was um, we've we've had it's been warm in general, but we had a cold snap, so it was like it was like three or four days when it was like hitting freezing. Um, but it's weird now because like as of right now, it's it it is seventy. It is seventy degrees F. So what is that to see? Let's 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 have it. It's that's about twenty. It's a little bit over twenty one degrees Celsius right okay. now. Okay, oh, that's but lovely. It, but it was but it was like. <laughs> You know, zero Celsius two days ago. We're going through, I think, an equivalent cold snap right now because it was lovely and wonderful. And yeah, I spent some time, uh, I think last Sunday it was, um, just had a big walk around Bristol and uh, had a lie down on the, uh, in, by the harbour side. On I, don't, I can never think what they're called and I sound like a moron every time I try and describe it. You know the planks above water that you tie... <laughs> The boardwalk, yeah. Oh, the, oh the, so hmm. The so it's not, but it's not the boardwalk. It's like a, uh, like a the thing that juts out. Yeah, it's like a dead end, but also a boardwalk. Hmm. I'm sure it has a name, but I I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't do a lot of boating. Well, I'm glad it's not just me. If if Lothalin were here, she would just be she would just probably like that. Know. Well, she would give yeah. me the, the Polish name. Yes. Uh, either way, we had a lovely lie down on that in the sun. It was there was a man uh, playing a music box on the other side of the canal. So it was this strange Victorian vibe, but it was really really nice, and everyone was just in a good mood, and the sun was out and it was shining. And within oh, probably since Tuesday, it's just been piss. It was about one degree Celsius, so just above freezing when I woke up. Uh, I've had both heaters on all day. There was briefly a flurry of what looked like snow. It might have just been pissy, drizzly sleet. Uh, it's been briefly horrible, and I I missed the brief window of what felt quite nice and summery when I would take time out on a day to have a little walk around and lie down on a bit of wood that I don't know the name of. 
it, it's uh, it's water wood. It's wood that is hovering over the water. I might start calling it a jetty. Yeah, well, that sounds very British. Yeah, well, would you, whether would or not you like it to is go on holiday at the jetty? Yes, it's just a little lie down on the jetty. Uh, <laughs> it does. It uh, uh, technically a jetty apparently uh, is projected into a body of water to influence the current or tide, or to protect a harbour or shoreline from storms or erosion. Which I don't think the thing I was lying on was. Um, no, you might. Uh, it might just be. It might just be a dock. It might just be called a dock. And just that's so unsatisfying, though. You can see why I don't want to call it that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I do think it's like it's the thing that you dock boats to. So I think I do think it is a dock. It probably it probably has additional words, but I don't think that you would be wrong if you called it a dock. Well, and also you. no one, nobody besides boat people are going to know that what a jetty is. So fuck it. No, yeah. Fuck it. Also, we're, it's a living language, Rob. You can make words mean whatever you want. You just have to convince enough people. Yeah, well, the campaign starts here. I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. On I'm on board the jetty train. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the wake of the jetty. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, is it? So I know some of them. They will have like um, they're they're basically like they have. Like metal poles into the ground in the water, and then the wooden part will basically be floating, and so like it will have rings around, so it is attached to the metal poles, but it it is not attached so that it is firm. It has give, so if you jumped on the on the dock on the jetty, if you will, um, it would you would feel it bounce. I think my one felt pretty stable. There were ones in uh, eye line of us that were clearly very unstable. And I did see some people uh, go to the end of what I am going to continue to call a jetty uh, mm. and kind of lurched left as if they were trying to uh, splash it into the water. And yeah. they made more headway than I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, uh, because if you if you, if you don't give it, let it if you don't let it ride if you don't have it so it's floating, then I, I think it it uh, wears very fast and like w- the wood will break and stuff. It will ha- we will have too much stress because the water is moving it, and if you let it float, then it it will last a lot longer. I see that does that does make sense. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough talk about jetties. Yes. Um, have you what what uh, what board games have you been? Anything new? Anything exciting? Yeah. So my continuing uh, plumbing of the depths of the uh, the two player um, games that I've I've accreted over the last few weeks, and I've been trying to persuade. I haven't been trying very hard to persuade Laura to play with me, but every now and then I'll suggest it. And she'll be like, nah, maybe not today. Uh, but on Monday, we got to play a game called Onitama, which I bought a little while ago. And Onitama is basically a game that looks a little bit like chess. So you've got one tall man, which mm. is, looks a bit like Da Queen from chess, the game. Um, not and you not have... Da Queen of the England. No, not Da Queen of the England. Goodness. Um <laughs> They're, they're stark difference. I would never mistake our beloved queen for this. Uh, for this, <laughs> I don't beloved the queen. <laughs> to be very clear, um, no, it doesn't look like the Queen of England. It looks like a little chess piece, but it does. It's a little bit more humanoid than a chess piece. It's got a kind of um, karate master's look to it, and the karate master-looking character has flanked on either side um two little lads who are bold and waving um and they are i don't know karate peons do you have peons in karate 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 students i guess karate noobs 
Yeah, karate noobs. Um, and your aim, it's a five by five grid. Your opponent has exactly the same stuff. And you are trying to either capture their big tall man or you're trying to get your man into the spot where their big tall man started. So you're trying to either go to the man's house or you're trying to kill the man. It's very much a blowing hot or cold kind of game. And the thing that is interesting about Onitama is um, the way that you move the pieces is each player will draw two cards, which will roughly correspond... Well, it will have the name of an animal on it, so it might be called the crane manoeuvre, or it might be called the crocodile. Um, I don't know if the crocodile's in there. I think the crocodile's in there. I'm pretty sure there's a crocodile in there. And it will say, you can play that card in order to move one piece um, X in, in that pattern. So it might be, say, the monkey can move one spot directly in any direction. Um, the ox, I believe, can only move to the left or forwards or backwards. And the thing that is um, tactical and exciting and really bends your mind is once you play a card, it gets given to the left so that the next player will get to replace whatever card they have just played with the card they get. So you've basically got this cycle of whatever cool move you use, your opponent is going to be able to use it in two moves from now. So it becomes very much a... um, a game as much about trying to keep the cards and threaten to do. So there's a card called the Tiger that lets you move two uh, squares ahead, which in a 5x5 five five board is colossal. That is a massive, massive jump. And if you've got the Tiger card, your opponents will never want to go anywhere near you. So they will be faffing about, they'll be trying to sneak around the side. But you can only use the Tiger card once and then your opponent's got it. So it becomes very... Um, cat and mouse it becomes very easy to turn the tables and because there's only so much um so many moves that your opponent can do and you can see the cards in your opponent's hand you can get a good sense of you feel like you should be able to predict your opponent's move really well but it is so easy to go oh i forgot that the little lads can move backwards and um fuck things up and it's i was expecting it to be a bit of a um drab game honestly in some ways well i wasn't expecting it to be because i've seen a playthrough of it where uh, it looked really fun which was why i went out and bought it but having had it on the shelf for maybe three weeks or so i've been starting to worry oh have i just been tricked into buying chat uh was did i just watch some funny interesting people playing a game that is basically chess but with some cards involved and it doesn't feel like that at all because the game is so small and because the board is so small and because you're constantly up in each other's grill uh, is things move very very quickly because um each game is so short you're not sit there so if you make a bad move you don't sit there and think oh piss that's my entire strategy gone up the wazoo it's funny when you make a bad move you go oh of course they can get my lad no i'm one lad down this is terrible and it becomes very um kind of flustery like it's very easy to um to just have a flurry of blows and go oh fuck it 
let's just see let's see what happens if i play the ox card i know and it encourages you to do silly things it encourages you to do weird things it encourages you to try and do things that your opponent isn't expecting because you've probably got <laughs> two sensible moves and one wild card move at any time and i don't know it's the kind of game that feels like a toy box it feels like you know what let's just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks it was really really funny uh to win at it's funny to lose at i don't know i I, it is the kind of thing that doesn't look like it should be particularly uh interesting it looks very very old-fashioned but it just zips along and it's really fun that sounds cool i have a few things to say one is i'm always uh looking out for my lads (laughs) number one one with a bullet and number two is when queen's gambit was really popular when it came out on netflix and about popular and then also like it made all of the like you couldn't buy chess it was also during the pandemic so like you know how supply chains are being um and so like you couldn't buy any fucking chess online there you couldn't find any chess sets but then also after that they're like well let's put out a board game uh, for our chess series but our board game isn't chess. Our board game is some other fucking game that, you know, has chess imagery, but isn't chess. And I think that's interesting and weird. Yeah, I think that's super weird. I've I've seen the Queen's Gambit uh, board game on store shelves and I've gone, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Have you played any of the other of like the chess adjacent games like... um? Uh, recently, the it on itch.io, there were a bunch of things that were uh, in a bundle that were both like uh, print and play, like tabletop games, and then also like indie video games that were on uh, kind of like on sale in a bundle for raising funds for humanitarian aid in Ukraine. And one of them is fake chess. And I don't know if I don't know if you've ever played any of the other weird like not chess games. No, I don't know that I've seen this. Um, and there's also like a video game called I think I think it's a video game called Chess Two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. it sounds... Chess Two Point I think is my, maybe what it's called. Chess Two Point What's what's different about it? I don't. Uh, well, I think it was one of those things. I this is just off my memory, so this could be wrong. So keep that in mind. Is that it wasn't just the basics and like there were so you could basically be a, a number of different sets that had different move patterns. So I like see. it isn't just, oh, here are my pawns, my knights, my bishops, yada, 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 yada. It is like, OK, you can play. That's one of the ways you could play chess. Chess 2.0, excuse me. But also like here are these other things that you like you could play a different. It's like a, like if you were playing like Warhammer where it's like, OK, well, this is this is the the orc army. But if you want to play like, I, I don't know, the, El- the elf army, like entirely different way you play it. Like, you know, you're moving the figurines on on the board, but like their mechanics are entirely different than the orc mechanics. I mean, that sounds like uh, <laughs> that sounds like games that I have bought. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, basically, but like, but in chess. So you'd yeah. be playing on a chess board or whatever. That's just, chess- the way, at least that's the yeah. way I remember chess 2.0 working. I mean, chess, say what you like about it. It's a design that has endured. It has lasted a long time. And, and you know what? I will, I will sometimes, I, I, so I know the rules of chess, but I have no idea about how the, how the strategy of chess works. So it's like, I could, I can play a game of chess, but I cannot play a game of chess successfully against somebody who knows what chess is. 
Yeah, I used to uh, I used to play chess a lot on my lunch breaks when I was in secondary school. Um, sort of the sort of maybe ten, uh, not ten, about eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, something mm. like that. Um, I think mostly on the basis that I wanted to play a game, and school had a chess club, and therefore mm. it was basically sanctioned a playing a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, playing chess is way better than like learning math. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I was not very good at it, I think, for exactly that reason, because I can play it like a game. I can go, ah, this is a game in which I have to capture all of my enemy species. Here are the ways that I know how the horsey moves, I know how the castle moves. Mm. I know how the bish moves. Use that to clear up the board. I understand that as a principle. But yeah, I don't have the strategy thing that other kids who were a lot more serious about chess did. So I mostly lost, but I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, where was it's like a bad day of golf beats a good day of work? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm losing at chess, but I could be doing algebra and that's way less fun than losing a chess yeah i will say actually having just described my attitude to chess i think onitama um is the perfect version of chess for me well that's good that's because it is less uh less strategy focused or, or less like like okay if somebody moves here you have to move here like this is the way this is the correct way to do it yeah well there's a there's a deck of um 16 cards of which you randomly select five and those will be the only five that are available in the entire match so it's less predictable there's a bit more um flying by the seat of your pants which is really fun and yeah because each game is so short you can make a wild or risky mo- move without yeah, throwing away shitloads of progress so it's just subtly um, arranged to encourage chaos in a way that I really enjoyed. Mm. That does sound. That sounds. That sounds pretty good. Have you been doing anything else? Watching anything else? Uh, not really. No. Okay. Um. So th- I guess there's two like kind of news things to get to before I go and talk about games and uh, get a little bit weird. One is um. So E3 is is canceled. Canceled. Canceled for real. Um, in 2022, it, they were going to do uh, a, a virtual convention, and then uh, it kind of like popped off right before we started recording. That is like, no, 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 oh. no, no E3 this year. And it feels like it's good. Surely that must be the final nail in the coffin at this stage, right? Well, so it, they apparently had emailed their partners, and it broke online when a PR lead at Razor, the peripheral company, company um, was like, "Oh, well, I just got an email from you know the E3 people, ESA, the saying it's it's um, gone," and so like that had kind of like started pro- proliferating. And then, you know, journalists start contacting people and, uh, the ESA is like, yeah, we're, yep, yeah, it's canceled. Uh, we'll be, we'll be back, you know, stronger than ever next year. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, uh, maybe I, I think that it's possible that there is an E3 because they're like online and in person. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe there is an E3 next year that is called E3, but I don't think it will be like what was in 2021 i don't think it'll be like what was in 2019 and i don't think it'll be like what was in 2018 <laughs> so like i, I don't know there, there i 
I am willing to believe that a thing called E3 will happen, whether or not it will be anything identifiably as E3. Uh, I, I, I'm more skeptical of that. I mean, after three consecutive years of the big games companies just coming up with their own way of putting out some trailers over the summer that feels like a lot to recover from right yeah i mean like they were in pro- they were in dire straits with regard to the show before the pandemic and the yeah. pandemic has just kind of like made it like a weird prolong like well i guess we'll push off the execution <laughs> um and uh i i don't know uh, I, I think it makes sense. Um, like, there's always, like, a part of me that is like, yeah, but, like, if it, like, the, I think about the moments around, like, having a bunch of people in the games industry all in one place and, like, you know, <laughs> Giant Bomb isn't Giant Bomb anymore. It's its own different thing now. But, like, having, like, the way that Giant Bomb used to do, uh, like, E3, like, late night shows or just like, oh, okay, here's a bunch of developers who are all in town, all here. And you know, talking to them, it's it's fucking awesome. Like like it, the, some of like my my favorite moments in like game culture, like the stuff around the games themselves, has been like, okay, it's a big event, and then like a bunch of news is popping off. People are showing off games, and they're excited about talking about the games they're making. And like you know, you have a, you have a bunch of people in the games writing industry, or or like a journalism, or. Uh, like video, I guess now uh, in- industry where you're you're all in one place together and you're all talking and making podcasts and making videos and it's cool and there's it's electric as somebody who is you know not there, um, <laughs> but I I understand the like that for that to exist in the way it was is not particularly feasible anymore and yes. I've ne- I've I've also never given a shit particularly about the like expo aspect of E3 like. I'm not going to E3. I don't give a shit if they have booths in a hall. I don't care about that. But the, like the thing where there are a bunch of cool announcements for things, there's a bunch of people all in one place, you know, talking to different outlets. That part of E3 has always been very cool. And and you can do it. And like last year, there were things that were like <laughs> E3 adjacent to th- things that are like you know, like E3, virtually, and it was cool, and there were some good announcements, but it wasn't it wasn't the same. And I think you just kind of have to get to the point where you have to be okay with it, or like not be okay, but you, like you have to come to terms with like it, it's not going to be the way it was. Yes, and it makes sense. I get it. Like, I, I why would you spend so much fucking money to have a goddamn booth at E3 when there's no reason to do that? Like, you don't make any additional money. Like, pe- you can just put out a YouTube video and the same number of people will cover your shit. Um, so it's like, uh, yeah, I, how, how could you, if you were, if you were an employee, at especially at a a public company where you are like obligated by law to, to like uh protect like your your investors uh money like to 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 spend it as wisely as possible and to try to get them as much money and lose them as less money as possible um how do you make the excuse to be like yeah we should go to this thing and blow millions of fucking dollars <laughs> we're hi i'm bob sony why do you want to spend four million dollars on a booth 
Yeah, it really depends on the thing in question being a thing. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, the other thing is um, also a bummer, but significantly more of a bummer. Um, the kind of like the writer and and designer, one of one of the designers and and kind of like the lead writer of Coffee Talk, which is an indie game out of Indonesia that I had spoken very very positively on. Um, he passed away um, in the past week, um, somewhat unexpectedly. Um, it was like, you know, like the day before I had seen tweets from him. And the next day, it's like, oh, his family has, um, you know, confirmed that he he's died. And so it's very sad. Um, he was not working on he had he had left that company. And there like there's there are folks working on a, a, a Coffee Talk sequel. Um, he was not working on that. But he had also went on to to make um I can't remember the name of the game, but it was like an, a, a game about the afterlife. He made a game about that. And, um, so yeah, it's very sad. I'm very, I was a very, very uh, bummed out to see. And also, cause like, it's somebody that, like, I follow on Twitter and routinely see, you know, saw his tweets and, and to just be, you know, you, the, the suddenness of the unexpectedness is, is, um, jarring, very jarring. So it's very sad. Um, uh, Muhammad Fahmy is, uh, no longer with us. And, um, I'm 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 bummed out about it, but um, them's the breaks. Um, oh, yeah, it does suck. Uh, I played some video games. Um, Norco. I've beaten Norco, and I can say with some authority that Norco is very good. Um, uh, it took me probably about nine hours to play, and um, there is it. <laughs> That game is good and that game is weird. And it's one of those situations where I could tell, I could literally tell you the things that were happening in the third and final act of that game. And you would have no idea what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> like the, the, the proper nouns and the verbs being used just wouldn't make a, a bunch of sense. Like it, it, it would, it would just read like, like gibberish basically because it goes so far. Uh, off the rails. Uh, I say that like you can you could say off the rails in a bad way, but I mean off the rails in a good way. Um, it just kind of it just kind of keeps pushing. It keeps getting weirder. It keeps doing different new things. And um, I would say that it's it is like very difficult to predict exactly what is going on. Um, and especially when you when you start it, um, it does not lead you to believe that this will <laughs> this specific thing will happen. Uh, I don't I don't think you could predict it, but um, I do think that it is a very good um, adventure game. But I think primarily one of the things that I I identify with it, or the things about it that I like, and is the same thing I like about Disco Elysium. Um, it's the same thing I like about uh, Kentucky Route Zero. It's just which is that like it 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 is working in a, lit a literary mode that most games are not, and as such, it is interested in character into interiority. And most video games have approximately zero interest in interiority. Like they, they that is not a thing that they are concerning themselves with. It's not a, a thing that they are thinking about. Um, or especially the way it is not presenting it to players. Like what? Okay, but what is happening inside their head? Is not that it never happens, but so rarely does that happen. And because like those three games, um, not, not to say that they are the only three games that ever do that, but like there are three like prominent indie games from the last couple of years that do this. They, they are very much like written like you would write a book. 
in some ways. Um, I think it allows you to interface with interiority in the video game in a way that makes it feel much more meaningful. Like, like it, you are you are able to extract meaning, and like you don't necessarily need to be led by the hand that like this is ha- what's happening in the story, or this is how the characters feel. You don't need to see like the the high res motion capture of the person like making a sad face or like staring out the window to know what the characters are feeling because it it, it is working like a book works is that like you are you are getting access to the interiority and i like that a bunch i think that it's very very good and the upside is like it is on game pass um it is on pc um so if you have if you have game pass pc or game pass ultimate you can just go play it for no additional cost. And I would wholeheartedly recommend you do that. Um, it is also on HIO. It is on Steam. Uh, and presumably, you know, you, you never know. No, they have not officially announced it. But I would be surprised if it does not come to other places eventually. Um, and uh, I would just say it is not... I wouldn't say that it is like as personally moving to me as something like Kentucky Route Zero, which I had like a kind of like a very direct emotional connection to, but I would say that it is a very high quality game with very, very good writing and writing in a writing in a game that is kind of nothing like what most games write uh, or are written like uh, specifically like the way that this is science fiction, like it is a science fiction, like a dystopic world. And there are plenty of dystopic worlds in video games, but pretty much none of them are written like this. I think that if you wanted to compare it to like dystopic books, I think you would be able to find a bunch of examples of like what you could compare and contrast it to in, in like the world of books. But I think that you would be hard pressed to find a, a world that is written like this in video games. And I think that is like a exciting thing, um, uh, an interesting and uh, not that it is like pushing the, the world of video games like mechanically, but it is certainly like going out of what is like comfortable in video game design and, and writing. And I think that is very cool. And I would wholeheartedly recommend anybody in the, the, sound of my voice to to give norco a try it's not very expensive i think it's it's 15 american dollars uh at, at full price and i do think it launched um a, a discounted on both itch and on steam uh and again it is on game pass so uh, give it a go it's pretty cool um i i i don't know if any of that resonates with you rob it resonates with me a so it resonates with me in as much as i go that sounds like a really cool thing that exists as you kind of alluded to it Mm -hmm. feels like it shares a lot of the things that make it cool with kentucky route zero which is absolutely the thing that i would go to first if i wanted Mm -hmm. to play that kind of game which i do at some point um it's weird because like i i think that it makes sense to compare it to kentucky route zero because there are so few things to compare it to in video games yes um and I do like it is a point and click adventure game, so like there are there are definitely aspects and, and is written in this in a, in a literary style, um, in a, it, the way you would write a novel, something like that, or or at least it is evoking the way you would write a novel. Um, and there somebody is mowing directly outside of my my door. Nobody has mowed in on my entire fucking street. Um, for months now, and they have to mow directly outside my fucking. <laughs> Can you hear it on the mic? I I only heard a very a very soft 
very briefly but it's it is very loud here um so yeah, I, I think that there are, there are definitely points of comparison, and I don't think it is unfair to compare it to to Kentucky Route Zero. However, um, I think that that it is it is much more when you are playing the game, it is much more like a traditional um, the me- like mechanically, it is much more like a traditional point and click adventure game, and that like there are puzzles that you need to figure out. Like you need to go and pick up a thing to get you to the next thing. Um, you need to. You like watch patterns and try to replicate them. Um, there's, there's combat in this game. Um, it is, you know, not, it is not a combat focused game, but combat does exist in it. Um, I think that is worth, um, thinking about because Kentucky Route Zero is so much more of like an audiovisual experience and has it, it is a, it is a game i'm not i'm not uh saying that i'm not i'm not somebody who who thinks that it is not a game especially since it's something that i i like quite a bit but i do think that it it um does not engage with very like traditionally gamey aspects where something like norco absolutely does like it is it is very much in the uh, realm of what adventure games would ask you to do, um, in like the, the traditional like point and click adventure game field. Um, so it, it is doing those things. You are, you have party members that like you can click on and they do, they, they have a different mechanic when you fight things like that. Um, nice. so like those, those exist. It is primarily a story. Like, like don't get me wrong. You're, you're mostly talking to people. <laughs> Um, but you know, you have to do puzzles. Like there, you have to figure out like how, how to figure out how to get into this thing. Like, okay, well, there's something blocking me from progressing the story. How do I figure that out? What do I need to do to get through this thing? And like somewhat interestingly, there's not like a fail state, but like there is very much like a, if you didn't like spend time exploring the world, uh, the end is like significantly different than if you did, um, or, or like significantly different is probably not the right way. Is that like what it means when, if you did that versus when you didn't do that, um, is, is different. Like, so you, you making a, like a, a significant difference by I'm going to go around and look around and talk to people and do all these things, um, does have like a very specific effect. Um, and, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, it came out right before a bunch of big game like Tiny Tina and Ghostwire and what the fuck? One other thing. I don't remember what it was, but like three things, three big things came out all in one day and it came out like the day before those things. So, um, reviews have slowly been coming out for Norco. They've been by and large very positive, but I do think that because it came out in one of the, <laughs> the busiest quarters in memory, that it is being, overlooked by reviewers where like if it had come out on 424 and not 324 i feel like the number of reviews that you could find would probably be like triple quadruple what it is now yeah i don't doubt that for a second it's been absolutely wild um so that's somewhat like disheartening that like you have this thing that's pretty cool and the people who are reviewing it are like pretty positive on it and then it's just like well Nobody's talking about it. Like the, uh, uh, you know, you, you see a, a, an indie game that is like, okay, this is the 18th pixel platformer or like the 100th, uh, roguelike Metroidvania of the year. And that gets, you know, 25 reviews. And this is like, well, it's, you know, like four reviews. 
is a <laughs> it's frust it's frustrating to me that like very very like straightforward games will get a lot of coverage and the the cooler games the more interesting weirder games often do not get it nearly as much coverage yeah no i i i i agree um i've also played it, it, this has been I, this past week since so like t- tour to tour like end of tour to the beginning of this tour i have spent the most time playing video games in years like so much mm-hmm. fucking time um maybe since like the the heady days of early pandemic animal crossing um i probably put like i probably played like 25 hours worth of video games in the past week it's a lot of time um i think some of it was just like i had a pretty open weekend so like i it was like a solid like 10 hours on a saturday <laughs> um and i i so it was like nine hours to beat norco something along those lines and um ghostwire tokyo i've also i've put a i've put probably about 15 hours into um something around there and uh, i think that game is really cool um it (laughs) it is in some ways like yakuza meets um everybody's gone to the rapture okay so it is it is like i i believe literally working from the same area like the same neighborhoods in tokyo as the yakuza games are like making a fictional version of like fictional like obviously it's not reality but i mean also fictional like they, they change the names in in yakuza and like it's it's shibuya in in ghostwire tokyo but it is okay, it is yeah. not that in uh yakuza um so like not only are they like it's not like the layout is the same. It, it, it isn't, but like, okay, yeah, the way that this looks is like this specific like set of neighborhoods in <coughs> Tokyo is like, oh yeah, this is a lot like the walking around in Yakuza. Um, and then also the, the vast majority of people. Um, in this area have basically been raptured, like raptured, like a bunch of shit has gone down. And so you walk around and you, there are NPC ghosts. There are also NPCs that are just cats. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, like they're, they're like bodega cats. Um, which you think is very funny. Um, but they're just like run, like the, the vendors are all cats. They're floating cats. <laughs> um, which I think is very good. Um, it is a game in which you largely walk around to the next thing and on the, from the, on the map and talk to people and have story unfold in, to you. And then you do some combat and then you move to the next thing. And, um, all of that on paper is like, okay, well, that's a very like straightforward open world game. But I have to say, I am having a fucking just incredible time with it. Um, I, I, I like the combat. I don't think that it is like in any way like, um, revolutionary or, or moving like the the genre forward but i think the combat is very good i think the way the, like the aesthetics the sound are superb i think that the animations in particular are are incredible um there's so much hand stuff going on which i'm sure you've seen in the trailers like yes yeah you're doing a lot of hand animation uh and i think that stuff works really well and uh i'm just having a really great time with because you know they will have all these side events and you're just walking around and like okay well i'm gonna help solve these fucking ghosts problems like yeah 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 there's the larger story of like what the fuck happened why <laughs> why did all these people get fucking raptured what the fuck <coughs> and that's fine 
But um, I, I am mostly going around and helping ghosts out. And that has been just a really, really superb time. I, you know, I've spent 15 hours doing that and, um, I've enjoyed pretty much every moment of it. It's been, it's been, a, it's been, uh, a delight. Um, I think that it is way cooler than lots of people are giving it, um, credit for. I think that it is, the writing is not like, again, it's not like it's, uh, it's revolutionary, but I think that it is like, it is the correct level of, of silly. Uh, there is notably, like, probably the one that people talk about the most is the diarrhea ghost. There's a Ooh. ghost that has so much fucking diarrhea. Um, it is, it is a very noteworthy moment, but there are other things that are less silly, but also like very, very good. Um, I, I would, I would say that this is a game that is absolutely worth playing. And like, I understand that some people would be like, okay, well, I'll wait a year until this is, until the exclusivity on PlayStation, you know, runs out and it'll be on Game Pass. And I'm sure it will be. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it, if it just pops up, you know, a year from, from when it came out on Game Pass. Um, but I would say that it is, it is absolutely worth playing. It is a, it is a cool, weird game. That while it has elements and like the moment to moment is not dissimilar from many other games, I feel like the, the tone that they're working with and the writing style that they're working with, I think is, is distinct enough and weird enough that I like it. Um, also like, so there are, there are Tory, uh, gates that you have to like that are, they're not quite, uh, like you're not climbing them like, uh, like, um, on, in Assassin's Creed, but like one of the things you do is you have to go around and you have to like depossess the Tory gates. And also, on to, I, I think that's very funny that there, that it's just pronounced Tory, like the English word Tory. Yeah, um, and I I would love if there were gates that that corralled all of the, all of the Tories into one place. God, me too. Uh, that would be that would be lovely. But Ghostwire Tokyo, it, it's it's pretty cool, and I think that lots of people it, it is. I feel like the response has been very dichotomous of people being like, this is the coolest shit that I have played this year. And then people being like, another open world game, question marks on the map. Um, that is, uh, I feel like increasingly common in, in the, in the, at least in the, the circles that I run in is a, is an increasing split in what people are looking for in video games. I think. Like I'm, I'm probably a little bit more open world fatigues than you are generally. But I will say that Ghostwire Tokyo, the thing that is that drew me in when it was announced and continues to draw me in, is the vibe of the thing. Yeah. It's just dripping with feeling, and. Th- that vibe made into an open world so you can just absolutely lose yourself in it just lose your mind in it wonderful absolutely perfect like that level of design combined with the open world format to me feels very appealing yeah and like i i've heard people so i have not, i'm not i've not completed it um but i've heard some people who have like gone through and got see saw all the like the main stories like they could have done a lot more. Like, they, like it, you know, it showed so well that, like, it could it have had more ambition or, like, if things had gone different and there wasn't a pandemic, could this have been, like, a... Instead of it being, like, this cool, weird game that is going to have, like, a, a cult following for years, like, ten years from now, there's going to be a video essay being, like, you know the most underrated game on the PS5 was actually <laughs> Ghostwire Tokyo. Um... I think that some of it is is like people if if it isn't like revolutionary people are are like 
fuck an open world game. Or not, not people, because, like, open world games, to be very clear, do very, very well in yes. general. Like, um, but I think that there is a set of critics who are just like, if it isn't doing something wild, then they're like, fuck it. I don't care. I don't care how good the writing is. I don't care how good the art is. I don't care anything about it like fuck that game and i feel like it has been that way for a long time like i remember i remember people being like people acting like days gone that that like the oh what the fuck is the development it's a sony game but it, I, it's a, the oregon studio sony bend um and they put out days gone which is a zombie game which is the zombie game from sony that isn't last of us um and it sold like pretty well it, it, it did like i don't know it was like five six million copies so like it, it if financially it did it did pretty well but i remember there being critics who like acted like that game like killed their dog like ran over their dog with a car and it's like I, I'm not saying I'm not even that big of a fan of that game. I didn't think that like it was it was particularly like great, but like it's a totally fine game that I put some time into and had a, like had a pretty a pretty decent time with. I feel like there was just like a really negative reaction from from a, a subset of people uh, in like the, the the people who I who I would read. Like lots of people who like I would listen to their podcasts or I read articles that they would write um, because like they have interesting politics or they have like th- thoughts about games that go beyond like how much how many guns does this game have? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like that group of like the post post Brainy Sphere crowd are just like Ugh, a game with a non-linear design i'm so mad about it is weird it's weird to me i don't i i still i i would love to, i would love to understand their perspective and i feel and i continue to fail <laughs> um so like some games that came out that i have not had time really time to to um, fiddle with uh, one was today and that's weird west which is a game that like i had seen on like a showcases like when you know it's it's on some uh you know stage somewhere i'm sure a virtual stage somewhere it's you know it was just on a, a, a uh, trailers like hey here's here's games that we're featuring on our virtual stage for our fake e3 um so i had like, seen weird west and i'm like okay it's gonna be like a like a not spooky like horror but like you know, spoopy as in weird, um, West setting. I didn't realize that the, the, the people who make this like top down shooter RPG thing, um, are ex arcane people. So like there is, there is an, there is a pedigree of immersive sim in this weird top down RPG. And I think huh. that's pretty cool. I am, I am now, it is on Game Pass. It's launching on Game Pass. And I am, I went from like, yeah, maybe I'll check out Weird West too. I'm definitely going to check out Weird West. Like tonight after I have dinner, I am going to, <laughs> I am going to boot up Weird West and fiddle with it. I feel like it's completely slipped me by. I've, I don't feel like I've, I've seen a single word about it. I would recommend that you at least look at a, at a, um, trailer because it is it is particularly it, it has it has a distinct look to it like obviously it is playing with like <clears throat> the wild west um but also you know as as the name implies it is like playing in the genre of weird west which is like what if it was what if it was spoopy what if it what if it had like almost like not quite literally um lovecraftian but what if it had like some eldritch vibes going on the art style is almost Borderlands adjacent in places. The, Definitely. Uh, the yeah, the 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 coloured in kind of like. 
Cell like cell shaded. That's it. Yes. Yeah, I would. I would recommend. I would recommend watching. A, a, there's also some gameplay has come out today. It, it reviewed. It reviewed fine. It's very clear that this is like this is an independent game. I think it, it's priced at forty bucks, where most games <clears throat> like full like quote unquote full price games are sixty or seventy bucks here. Um, this is a forty dollar game that again is also launching on Game Pass. Um, this is a, this is an, uh, a, a indie game with a, you know, a, a specific limited scope. It doesn't have voice acting, for example. So like there are, there are aspects that are, are not going to be like, oh, hey, this is a, a full on, like if it, if this was an arcane game, it, this would have all this stuff fleshed out. It probably yes. wouldn't be a top down game, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. I, I am more, I am, I was already, I was already on on board to check it out, and now I am very much like I'm going to check this out today. Not like I'll get around to it, but like no, no, no. This is this seems this seems really cool. So I will definitely check on on Weird West. Um, the other one was uh, Crusader Kings Three is now on uh, PS Five and and Xbox Series. Uh, and it's also on Game Pass. So not only is the is the PC version of Crusader Kings on uh, on Game Pass, but also the console version. I booted up for like all of five minutes and said like, oh yeah, this seems like workable. And if you don't have a machine that can run it, then like this is great that you can play it on consoles. But it's like, hey, if you have the ability to play this on a computer with a mouse, you should do that. Yeah, I was I was surprised at how well uh, Civilization VI transferred to the Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. um, because I was having played Civilization only on consoles. I thought it feels like there's a lot of menus in here. It feels like this is a uh, sorry. Having only played it on PC, I felt like mm-hmm. there was a lot of menus there. It's the kind of thing where you want a keyboard and mouse. Crusader Kings Three, from my experience, is like Civilization times about six in terms yeah. of menu counts. Um, There's so much, shit. and and mind you, this is like the refined, streamlined version of Crusader Kings. Uh, like like I couldn't imagine a CK two on console. It would be an or on, not necessarily even on a console because like a console could run it. Up, um, an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty could run it. It's like the the controller aspect is just would be fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do the very, very lazy thing and that just make the, the left stick a cursor and be like, well, fuck it. Um, and that gets the job done, but it's not a good experience. No, I can't remember which games I have played that have been ported like that, but I remember hating them. Yeah, it's not good. Also, did one of the I I am broadly pro Destiny. Um, I think that it is it's a pretty cool game. But the one thing it did that lots of uh, lots of video games have stolen since is to say, what if instead of just where you can just press up and down and move through a menu, um, what if we made your your left stick a cursor for menus? Yeah. And I feel like that has been in so many video games since the first Destiny in 2013 or whatever, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, absolutely horrible. No excuse for it. It's a miserable experience. The 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 absolutely wildest part is that like Destiny didn't launch on PC. 
Destiny 2 didn't even launch on PC at like when it, when it initially came out. It was like a year or a year or more after it initially came out before it came to PC. It's not like, oh, this is a PC game first and we're just going to leave it that way on the console. This is a console first development. And they're like, no, the way we want you to interact with our menus is by dragging a cursor along with your left stick. I, I didn't understand it then. I understand it even less now. Yeah, never. <laughs> not even once. <laughs> Um, I fell down. I don't have much. I don't have too much to say. Just that, like, uh, I fell down a rabbit hole uh, on a video essays about <laughs> about the dark web, specifically around the Silk Road, which you know has been gone for a long time, and many markets uh, like you know, that's are selling drugs. Is like by and large, these are people who are selling and buying drugs on the internet with. Uh, cryptocurrency, um, yes. using, using a, a Tor browser. Um, and the, uh, one of them, there's a, there's a, a video essayist who I, I think is generally pretty okay. I don't have like, I wouldn't say a top tier, uh, video essayist, but like pretty, pretty, pretty decent. It does a lot of like mystery stuff, online mystery mm-hmm. stuff. Did a video on the Silk Road and a huge portion of it deals with uh, wh- this is all like stuff that came out um, from the person who ran the, sink- the Silk Road or started the Silk Road um, is all of this time that this person was talking to people who he thought were um, Hell's Angels, which are a biker gang um, that are notorious for selling uh, drugs and also doing violence in North America and spending time talking to them and talking with somebody who he thought was a hell's angel and ordering hits that he thought were legitimate hits. And it turns out at the end, like the way, you know, they, they present it as if this is all going through and not giving you the context that this is fake. But, like, that person thought that that he was ordering hits that were being taken care of. He was getting scammed by <laughs> other people who, who are in the, you know, on the fucking Silk Road doing, bull, you know, a bunch of bullshit trying to get a bunch of money through cryptocurrency. But, like, that person believed that he was paying money and then people were dying. And it, um, it was... I, I I knew about the Silk Road. I knew that like okay, there are markets, and I knew that there were plenty of markets that happened at that popped up after the Silk Road, and like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, you know people are using Tor, they're getting together, they're selling drugs, also probably very various illicit pornographies that are definitely super illegal and super immoral, um, and to probably to some extent doing armed trafficking too but like that's that's generally what you would assume that's most of what the offline like illegal stuff is happening right like if you were to like talk to people who were selling illegal shit it would probably be drugs number one maybe guns maybe illegal pornography um so like that stuff made a bunch of sense to me the i like so i i think that it is very unlikely that there are any serious hitmen uh, happening. I think that that is just like, there's no evidence that that is the case. But I do think it is so interesting. And there's a whole other video about like, fake hitmen um, on the dark web, meaning like on onion services. Um, And 
how people who people who who are sincere in their desire to hire a hitman, even though this hitman is not real. These are people who do not actually murder people. But there is a clearly a demand for people who who want to murder, who want to hire people to murder people and think that like yes of course you can go on you you download tour and then you just pay bitcoin to a hitman and then the people die um and like uh, hit, uh, hey listen hitman exist like they 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 exist in the world and, and have but like we're talking about people like criminal organizations we're not you know people aren't rolling you can't just like roll up and like hi i'm steve uh i would like to hire a professional hitman that's not the way any of that shit works and it is so interesting to me i i, I think it's like disheartening that there is this that there is a non-trivial um demand for professional hitman services i think that's a bummer but that i also think that like how dis- like disheartening it, it would be th- how disheartening it is that people would just like assume that that's happening and like yes of course of course i can just go get a hitman what did, did does the uh did any of the 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 stops along your rabbit hole uh mm. express what what was motivating people to uh, die? These hitmen, these fake. Uh, I, so I like so like specifically the one the one around the the person who was operating Silk Road um, was he was being blackmailed and it ends up being like the same group of people who were <laughs> who were running the scam the like the the scam about the hitman that were the same like group of people who were running the scam about blackmailing him. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it was like. I have information about your about some of the people who are on the Silk Road, and if you don't pay me money, I will release that information. Thus, um, like undermining uh, people's willingness to participate on your black market, um, and that when you, <laughs> unsurprisingly, when you are running an illegal market. Being blackmailed is not a good thing. Having people who are threatening, who are threatening to like release information about the people doing illegal shit on your service, um, is bad. And so like his motivation specifically for trying to order these hits, um, is like, I am one, like personally offended that I'm being blackmailed. And two, it's bad. It's very bad for business <laughs> to have somebody who has who who has information about your you know what whether or not it's true like whether if that that is like verifiable information that you leak you have you have real people's information and you can release it um, just like that that idea is you're, like you're spreading fear like you're making people less willing to spend money on this illegal market. And then as such, the owners of that market getting a cut. So like that person blackmailing them, even if, even if they were lying about having the information, like the data, then it is at, at the very least like a threat to the stability of that market. Yeah. Um, and I think broadly the other stuff, the like the fake hitmen in general, like, so that was one specific scam based around like a very prominent person in the selling illegal shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> department. Um, the other stuff where it's just like, oh yes, I'm an, I'm a dark web hitman. Come pay me bitcoins and I will murder people for you. Um, I think broadly the, the thing is like, 
jilted lovers, um, people who want money, like people who basically it's like, hey, if this person is gone, I don't owe them money anymore, or I have health, I have uh, life insurance on them, and if they die, then I get paid life insurance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, right. Yeah, the the classics. Yes, the classics. Um, it is. I, I think it's the same thing where you, you get older people. Like, there's one very big one that played out, and I I experienced it peripherally, and like rolled my eyes at it at the time, and it was like. There's a TikTok trend of smack a teacher day. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. sounds fake. And then all of, you know, you, all of the fucking boomers are like, yeah, that sounds right. We're going to have to, t- we're going to talk to all our children about smack a teacher day and how that's not okay. And it's like, it turns out that Facebook was the meta now, um, uh, was paying a, <sighs> A service that the GOP uses um, to basically smear TikTok to make TikTok seem less palatable to American audiences. And so that was that was a plant. That story was a plant. And I am on record, uh, not necessarily on this podcast. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I am on record as being like, that sounds fake. That sounds made up uh, at the time. And then this is like, okay, not only was that like made up, it wasn't just some trolls made it up for goofs, for laughs, that a bunch of people would believe it. This was planted by fucking some of the worst humans that exist. Yeah. Um, And also, like, specifically, like, listen... Uh, the anti-TikTok stuff, I, I mean, like, there's some of it where it's just like, I, I am a competitor to this, to this service and I want people to not use their service. I want them to use my service. But I think a ton of it, especially on the right, is like, TikTok, China, we hate, oh, we're so, we hate Chinese people. We're so racist. Um, I think there's a lot of like, like anti-Chinese aspects to it where they're like megacorps looking at your information whoa 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 only american yeah. megacorps should be looking at your information <laughs> they best um, be red white and blue megacorps <laughs> and i think that that shit sucks like listen listen the megacorps that are in china also suck but they don't suck in any particularly interesting way that american corporations don't suck yeah they suck neither harder nor uh softer than matter yeah I mean, like, and then, like, listen, listen, it's the same thing, like, the Chinese government, like, a bunch of, like, anytime you're, any any government who's doing authoritarian shit, like, oppressing people, fucking sucks. But listen, people who are, who are very easy, willing to criticize the Chinese government, which is fine, I don't, I don't have a problem with criticizing the actions of the Chinese government, but, like, have you looked at our government? Like, hey, have you seen the authoritarian shit that they're doing? Um, is it, like, oh, Fine, and I'm not. It's not like, and because we do bad things, you can't criticize the other people. That's not what I'm saying. You can, but what I am saying is that like, be critical of authoritarian shit from the Chinese government, but do not put up with that at home either. Yeah, that's uh, it's got out a whole load of authoritarian. Apparently, I'm not able to just use my physical inability to say the word let's call out all sorts of authoritarian bullshit uk too you're full of pricks too you're all shit <laughs> yeah it's a real problem but, but then, like i i think it is particularly notable that like china has like a a zero tolerance policy for covid where it's just like 
yeah, oh shit, if there's an outbreak, fucking lock that shit down. And you will hear a bunch of people on the American right be like, the these fascists in China, where it's like, oh, okay, so you're telling me the Chinese government doesn't want their population to die from this deadly virus? Sounds pretty responsible to me, IMO. So, <laughs> American soldiers died so that their children could die. From a virus. Yes. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, look at China's... Okay, even if you assume that China's stats aren't, like, on the level, inflate it by 10 times. China's numbers are so much better (laughs) than our numbers. Like, uh, the US and the UK's numbers, so much better. Massively fewer infections, massively fewer deaths, and that's the place that fucking COVID started. And that's because it's like, oh, well, it turns out when you act responsibly, um, way fewer people die during a fucking pandemic. Who's it's very, it's very frustrating. It's, it's, it is exceedingly frustrating. Um, maddening, one might even say. Um, I am, point being, China, um, the Chinese government, problematic. American government, maybe more problematic. One might say more problematic. It certainly affects me so much more than the Chinese government affects me. That's certainly true. Um, let's talk about, uh, about the, the, not just the future of video games as in broadly, but the uh, upcoming video games that are going to come out next week. We have Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which, um, I'm, I am pretty interested in. It's been a long time since there's been a Lego Star Wars game. Since there's been a Lego game, honestly, it's been a while. And, uh, this is like them using new tech. They have been developing this game, I think, for like five years. And uh, it does come along with like a, a bunch of stories that came out, I think, maybe last year, like mid, mid last year about there being crunch. And that, of course, sucks and should not be a thing that is acceptable in the video game industry. But it does seem like an amb- an ambitious game, a game that is not just like let's put out another Star Wars um, Lego game, <laughs> a game like a game series that we've been putting out since the PS2. Let us like rethink what that is. Um, what can we do to make a big giant like step up, like a a, a the next gen Lego game uh, in the Star Wars? And I, it's been a it's been a while since there's been a Lego or since there's been a Star Wars game. Period. Like I'm trying to think. I think. Was it um Fallen Jedi Fallen Order? I think was the last one, and that was like 2019 or something. So oh man, like, really? Yeah, it's been a while since there's been a, a, a Star. Well, I'm sure there's been mobile games. Um, I guess I I guess I'm not counting those. I'm sure that there have been 800 mobile games about Star Wars, but it has been a while since we've had a mobile game because they they basically said, listen, uh, EA, uh, our our exclusive partnership has not worked out. Um, and so, like, they have announced a bunch of games at, with a bunch of different places, and the I do think that they are uh, Jedi Fallen Order Two is still being made by Respawn. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think that there is no more, no more uh, dice Star Wars games on the on, on the docket. I don't. I think that after Battlefield Two was such a catastrophe that they were like, no, 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 we're we're good on the Battlefield front. No, thank you. Um, or ba- sorry, Battlefront front because it's the battlefield is is regular war and battle the battlefield is regular war battlefront is star wars so it's always confusing um they're like no more of that thank you but then there's the what the the fuck is it called the um the people who made detroit become human what the fuck is that what 
Uh, Quantic. Quantic yeah, Quantic Dream. Dream. David, the David Cage company. They're doing a Star Wars. <coughs> Ubisoft is doing a Star Wars. There's a bunch of different Star Wars games in the works, but it's been a while. And so I'm kind of like itching for a Star Wars thing. I'm also the, the Star Wars TV shows that have come out, uh, <laughs> over the last couple of years have left a pretty sour taste in my mouth like i am not i am probably among the least uh happy with the star wars tv shows of 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 most people like i feel like the mandalorian is generally pretty positively received but uh i i would say i am lukewarm on the mandalorian at best and probably like uh unhappy with the mandalorian at worst um, and then I think Book of Boba Fett is just straight up bad. Like, just straight up, they made a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, not only did they make a bad thing, which is like, that sucks, but it happens. They also took, like, Boba Fett, this, like, beloved character that was kind of like a blank slate. Kind of could be anything because, like, all of the baggage that came around with the EU, they had already wiped that away. They could have made Boba Fett into anything they wanted. And they were like, uh, what if he was super boring? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is, um, a bummer. Uh, so I, I am, I am itching for some cool Star Wars content, and I, I, I hope that Lego Star Wars is interesting and weird and ambitious the way that that it seems it is. Uh, we don't know. Uh, nobody has really been able to talk about the finished product yet, but uh, it is coming out soon. So presumably, probably early or middle of next week, we'll we'll see some reviews, and I will decide if I will be jumping in <coughs> on the, uh, the the Lego Star Wars train. Um, and then also later in the month, it's a, it's a very light month. It's not, there's not, not a ton of games, uh, uh, specifically not a lot of like big indie or, or AAA games. Um, however, later in the month, at the very end of the month, the Nintendo Switch Sports, the Wii Sports 2, which is what they should have called it. Mm. Wii Sports 2 is coming out. And I'm, uh, I, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm excited about it. I think. He sounds excited about it. What, what, what are you, what are you, how are you feeling about the Wii Sports 2? I mean, like, it's interesting that it exists, but what, what's your vibe check on it? My vibe check is that I'm pleased that it does exist. I don't know that I'm going to get it. Just my life looks very different to, uh, how it was when Wii Sports fitted very nicely into it i i don't know i i don't need to flail around with the joy con um this year i don't think yeah no that's that's what i was thinking of when i was imagining flailing around with a joy con honestly virtual bowling that's good yeah i don't like real bowling really you do you you actively dislike it or you just or do you just not like seek it out i actively dislike it really yeah, I always get gutter balls, and uh, I find it takes so long between turns to do something that is probably not going to be very cool the way I do it. Yeah, not my thing. Interesting. Of the, of the Wii Sports, yes. what is the one that you played and like enjoyed the most when I do it think, was a thing? I think I like Wii Bowling a lot more than I like regular bowling. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good i think i probably um i think i enjoyed playing the tennis specifically because uh my parents would play the tennis with me and it's i've not really 
being able to play a video game with my parents was a strange and surreal experience in uh, 2006, 2007, whenever it was that I happened to get a Wii. So it was very much the novelty of playing a game with a generation that does not play games, but that they fully understand and they, they fully understand how to interface with. And I don't know that I would get that in the same way from... Um, Nintendo uh, Switch Sports or whatever it's called nowadays, particularly since uh, it is. Uh, I've yeah, I don't I don't really get to see my parents much on account of that pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, it is one of those things, and like this is kind of like the the core appeal of the Wii is that it's a thing that you can get people to play a video game. You can get people to play who usually do not play video games. Yes. Yes. So I think that that is like an interesting thing that you could definitely have, you could definitely use to your benefit in the same way that you would have for like a board game. Like, oh, I'll have a friend over and we'll play a board game. And it's like, I'll have a friend over and we'll play Wii Sports too. Yeah, no, that would work. Yeah, I I, I am, I, I wouldn't say that I'm hyped, but I am definitely more interested than maybe I, I would have expected, I guess. It's probably the best way to put it is that like, as it becomes closer to a reality it's like i had a really good time with wii sports like it, it was a re it's a really good game and i think about it like well this the the switch is capable of so much more fidelity than the fucking baseline wii um i i'm pr- like uh, the idea of like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna bowl a bunch or whatever i'm i'm going to play tennis um i think it's, it's pretty cool uh there's also I'm, I'm, let me see if i can find it i think it's launching with six games let's see nintendo switch sports which is a ba- it's a ba- it's a bad name right yeah it's it feels like a placeholder name yes um and and like i understand that if you called it wii sports 2 it would be it would be confusing but if you called it Wii Sports 2, everyone would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one. You, it's the it's the sequel to the Wii Sports. You could just inject a little bit of pizzazz, call it Sports Resort Switch or something like that. And mm. it at least feel like it's got a name. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so the, uh, I think that what the, the games that are available are tennis, bowling, chambara, which is interesting. I don't know what chambara is. <laughs> Soccer. Is that the one where you try to knock someone off the ground, off the uh, off the big floaty platform? Let's look with it up. A big I'm, Q-tip. I'm looking up Chambara now. Chambara is a stealth game. This is a video game. It's Chambara. I want Chambara? Hmm. Wii Sports Wiki. That seems. I, hmm. No. I, so I, I guess I don't know what Chambara is because Chambara seems like it is a a, vi- a video game by Team OK, but presumably that's not what they mean. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, badminton and volleyball. Badminton is basically tennis, right? Like, it's not literally tennis in that, like, the mechanics are slightly different, but you're basically doing the same thing as tennis. Yeah, it's not meaningfully different. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would put that in the bullet, right? Yeah. Uh, also, sorry to any uh, <laughs> sorry to any badminton fans listening who do think that it is meaningfully different to tennis. I have I have played badminton before, and I don't think I've played tennis before, like in real life. So, oh, I mean, interesting. Well, because like you need a fucking tennis court if you want to play tennis, and oh, a yeah, badminton, so. you just like you buy this cheap ass shit and you can play it anywhere. Like if you have a yard, you can play badminton. But I don't have like a a paved like tennis court. 
board in my yard. So yeah. I, I have played badminton, but yeah, I don't think that it is it is uh, particularly uh, different. Like I, I might you might include badminton as an as a as a version of tennis in your game. Yeah, you if you're really not. trying to pad out the numbers. So it looks like Chambara. I'm on there. I'm on oh, Nintendo Switch Sports. Nintendo.com, and it looks like Chambara is a sword play game. It's a game that involves sword fighting. Oh, good. Okay, that makes sense. It does. It is interesting that they they did away with the boxing one because when you were playing the boxing before, it was you had to like plug in the, the nunchuck, I think, and it was yes. it was always it was always a pain in the ass. But I'm like, well, now you just have the two things. You could play the boxing, and then they, then they don't include the boxing. I think that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and I, it is my understanding that golf. So golf is not shipping with it, but they do intend to ship it. Ship a uh, the golf the golf Wii Sport in this um, at a later date as free DLC. So if you get it, you will you will eventually get the 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 Wii Sports Golf. Okay, that's nice. Golf is good. I, I mean, like I I I have played golf. Um, but I'll tell you the truth: the best time I've had with a golf club is uh, a um a range where you're just smacking balls as hard as you can to get them to fly as far as possible. Right. Yeah. No, that does sound more fun than trying to get it into the hole. Yeah. Where you're just, you just like, you'll be like, Hey person who runs this booth, I would like to buy 100 balls, please. And then they're like, all right, here you go. And then you just get a bucket that has a hundred balls and then you just keep putting them down and you just smack them. Uh, and I think that that's a really good time. That sounds like a lovely time. Do you know what happens to the balls afterwards? Um, so there's a big, there's a huge, very tall net at the back. And so to keep them from like flying into traffic, um, it is my understanding that they, if it is a very large place, they have a, a motorized thing that you like, you drive, it's like a cart that has a ball collector that you drive around. And if it is a smaller place, there's like, um, where you walk around with a ball collector and you, they, they just chunk, 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 chunk up the balls and then, you know, just, sell them to people to smack again the next day but what a what a lovely bit of fun yeah is that is that i mean golf is certainly a, a, a is a uh, british isles specialty um it, are, are uh driving ranges not a thing there i think they are i've uh i've i've ever i've never gone to one it's good what about what i would call it so i would call it mini golf i I feel like British people have like a different name for like funny golf or something. <laughs> that's crazy golf. I don't know if that's meaningful. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Where, where that's like, a, here's a windmill you have to put it past, or like here's a clown and he's opening his mouth and you have to put it put the the ball through his the clown's mouth. Yeah, there's an indoor mini golf um, at the shopping centre quite near me that uh, me and some friends went to on a whim. Um, after completing an escape room uh, a couple of months ago, uh, that's a that's a pretty good time. I thought I was going to absolutely nail mini golf because I absolutely nailed the first few holes, and then random chance caught up with me. Yeah, it turns out it's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, there were some really real, real luck based holes at the end, by which yes. I mean skill based holes that I was not good at. <laughs> yeah, I mean like that's that's kind of the the trick, right? Is that like oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the part is that it's hard. Is that you, yeah. you can't just smack the ball and it's fine. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I, I would. I would rather play mini golf than actual real golf. Yes, but then, absolutely. but I would rather go to our driving range than play mini golf. 
The thing that I found very awkward about mini golf is that when I was sucking at mini golf, Mm -hmm. uh, I was very conscious that there were people on the previous hole who were waiting to use the hole that I was just flat thrashing myself against. Well, I I think a thing that will that is that is somewhat common in some places is that they will just say, "Hey, you get six tries, or you get." seven tries or you get what a 10 tries and then if you don't if you don't complete the the this hole in that number of tries then that's just your max number you, you just have to take that as your your number and move to the next one yeah i think i, I think i hit my number a few times <laughs> uh all righty let's wrap this sucker up rob where can people find you on the internet go to soundcloud.com forward slash rob d webster where i am bringing back jetties and you're releasing snakes snakes soon, listen maybe. here ireland you're getting snakes yeah <laughs> unleashing the snakes but, uh, you, you're, you're gonna need a new saint to come and get all the snakes um yeah. Uh, and then uh, if you want to see what I do head over to grantbruner.com for the weekly roar I'm Grant Bruner I'm Rob Webster have a good one Cry and I probably won't hear you Because it's live with the shop back on